Well, today is going to be exciting. I'll tell you what, we have been in this series on Annie Up. We've been talking about Annie Up, and we've been asking the question, are you all in? The theme of this, uh, this series has been, where is your treasure, if you haven't noticed? Where is your treasure and what is all about this? We've been talking about this battle between our God and our money and it's his money and how do we deal with that? We've answered some interesting questions. We, we've looked at ourselves, uh, what are the hesitations to our giving? We've looked at uh, why we don't give or why the world doesn't think we should give. We've looked at what it means to store up our treasures in heaven. We've looked at our hearts. We've looked at serving. We've looked at how to be intellectually honest with ourselves last week. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Colin. Hello. Appreciate that. Uh, we're, we're, we looked at the circumstances, how, how we allow circumstances of faith to get in the way of our giving. And so when we think about giving, when we look, talk about this last week of anting up, I just, I want to do something, you know me, I'm gonna, we just want to do something different. I want to answer this question. What is up with this tithing talk? If you're a new Christian in here, and I believe a lot of people are either new Christians, they, they really haven't been taught or don't really know, and they hear these words that are out there about tithing is good, tithing is bad, those guys just want their money, and how do you deal with all that? So today I want to answer, answer this question, what is up with all this tithing talk? What is up with this idea that we give a tithe? What does it mean? to acknowledge that God is the source of our, our wealth, that he, we are thankful in, in an opportunity to, to give a portion. First of all, I want to just start out with this idea, and many of you know this, but this for those who are new Christians. The tithe means 10%. The reason why we say 10% of your giving is because the word actually means 10%. When somebody says, I'm a tither, I give 1%, they're a liar. Because the word means 10%. So it doesn't mean 1%, 5%. It doesn't even mean 15%. It means very clearly 10, okay? Just so you know that it's 10%. But just understand, God doesn't curse you if you give more than 10. And, you know, and, and God's not there beating you over the head saying, hey, you shouldn't give anything. If you haven't given 10, don't give it all. No, that's not what we're going to talk about here today. Some of you are saying, all this crazy talk about tithing, I just can't put my mind around it. I don't understand it. I don't know whether it's Old Testament law, New Testament grace. I can't figure it out. We're going to talk about it today. Well, as you know, the only way I know how to do that is to go back to what we call first mention. Let's go back in history and let's look through the scripture of what in the world giving is all about. What is tithing all about? What was it? What was the principles? And we're going to find out some things. We're going to find out that in almost every occasion, these things, a series of these things or a couple of these things are going to be part of our conversation. Number one is this. Giving is going to be an act of faith. Giving is going to be done freely. Uh, God did not always look favorably on all giving. Just so you know, we're going to notice that in our study today. Giving was from a cheerful and grateful heart. Giving was for blessings received, and giving also brought a promise, a greater blessing. So let's open God's word, let's look at it, and let's tear down some of these walls, these concepts, these ideas about giving. Now listen, please, 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 if you're new here in the house, don't leave. Just hear me out, okay? Nobody's going to be at the end of this service saying, you know what, you either give or you can't be part of this church. That's not, not going to happen, okay? Just want to give you a little relief, but we are going to break down what the Bible says about this idea of giving. It starts with Cain and Abel. 
Now you're thinking, that's not where tithing is mentioned. You are absolutely correct. But let's turn in our Bibles to this idea of Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3 through 5, it says this, In the course of time, through the course of history, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks to, uh, of their fat portions. See, from the beginning, it was a faith-filled, free-will act of worship. Now, there's Cain and Abel. We're deciding we're going to worship the Lord. Now, we don't know whether God commanded it or not. We know this. The word says that they freely came and they presented an offering. But we also know this from the beginning, some gifts were acceptable to God and, and some were not. And, and we can go into speculation on why we think the fat was better. And we, you know, there's a long theory on that. But the bottom line is we know this, that God did look at some offerings and say, that's not acceptable. And others, he said it was. Notice what he says in verse five. And the Lord had a regard for Abel's at his offering. What, is, what does regard mean? It just means he showed interest in Abel's. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He had no interest in it. it. It did not please him. Now that's fascinating to me. Here the man brings an offering and yet he is not, it does not bring interest. Now notice this, what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteousness. God commended him by accepting his gift and through faith, through faith, Though he died, he still speaks today. This is fascinating to me. I, I, I'm just fascinated in this study. I just want you to know, I have been overwhelmed by looking at some of these things and the correlations between giving as I've been studying this. So then it comes, so, listen, so when it comes to our giving, we must be honest with ourselves and ask this question. I want you to ask this question. Is your giving a great reflection of what you truly worship God with? When we think about that song we just sang, what is it? that just breaks our heart when it comes to our love and our gratefulness? And is it acceptable to the Lord? Is God pleased with what you're doing? Now, let's fast forward. We have this Cain and Abel story. This is the first example of what we have is giving. Of course, we know that God gave in the garden because he actually had to give a sacrifice so that they could have clothes, but we're talking about what was given back. Fast forward. Genesis chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, click there. Genesis 14, a few chapters up, verse 18. This is where tithing is first mentioned in the Bible. Okay, New, a few facts you need to know. Abraham has just went on a, on a war try, tr uh, battle to try to get back his nephew, uh, Lot. Lot was captive, captured, he was taken, and Abraham goes after him. And he wins the battle. He takes everything that the people have stolen and takes all that they have. And he was returning to the land. And this is what happens in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18. And notice this is before the law. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High. In other words, he was the God figure. Many will do a study on him later on where he is actually a type of Christ. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham my God, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Notice in verse 20. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham responded correctly. What did he do? He gave a tenth of everything. Now we say he responded correctly, but God, there's nothing that says that Abraham had to do anything. It was just a mere fact that Abraham wanted to give a tenth of everything that he had won so that he could be honoring to 
God. Abraham gave a tithe to God. This is the first mention. He gave it freely to the, to worship the Lord. Notice this. He did not give it because he had to, or he gave it because he wanted to. He wanted to acknowledge the blessing or the success from the battle that God had given him, the, the victory that he had given him. This is a first mention principle. So here, I want you to understand these. From the beginning, we see these principles building up. It was an act of worship. It was for blessings received. It was given freely. It was pleasing to the Lord. And Abraham, because of it, receives a greater gift. He is promised a son right after this event. So we see this tithing concept introduced right here with Moses. But then let's skip up to chapter 28, Genesis 28. We're going to see uh, how tithing is mentioned a second time. This is with Jacob. Now I'm going to read this whole story because this is really critical in the idea of what tithing is all about. Now Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. He's been given the same promises that Abraham were given. And so let's just read this passage. It's found in Genesis 28 and verse 10. I'm going to read the whole story to you because I think it makes a point. So here we go. We're going to read quickly, and I'm not as fast as Preston. I apologize. <laughs> Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and staying there that night because the sun had set, taking one of the stones of, uh, of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in a place to sleep. I don't know about you. I don't really choose stones for pillows. Maybe that's why he did this. I don't know. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and on the top of it reached to the heavens. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land which you lie on, I will give you and to your offspring. This is important to note. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your, uh, and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Praise God for this story because we are blessed because of it. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until you I have done what I have promised." Important note as well. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. We sing a song like that? That we just did. And I did not know. And I was afraid and said, how awesome. We sang a song like that too, is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, J Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow. I want you to understand this. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, this place, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. Note this. And all that, I, that you give to me, God, I will give a tenth to you. I will give a tenth to you. What's happening here? Notice again, Jacob worshiped the Lord. 
He freely made a vow to give a tithe to the Lord. Now, he made a vow in faith for blessings that were going to be promised to him in the future. God did not require the vow. That's important that you understand. But he did receive it as an acceptable response to blessings received. You have to grasp this thought. Now, the vow was an expression of a grateful and a thankful heart that he had. Now, again, although this vow was not required, it helps us understand the seriousness that God is about vows, and we're going to see that in just a minute. We're going to see how God will hold Jacob's heirs and Jacob's family responsible for this vow, this idea that I'm going to give 10% for blessings received. Now, just put that in your head. This is what's happened. Now, fast forward. Moses Moses and the law, what's happening? Over 400 years has passed between this promise that God, he had made to God and that God had made to them, to Jacob. And now he's going to answer or be held accountable or be, con- be held accountable by God for this vow. Notice where it goes. God has blessed them, the children of Israel. This is where Moses is at. He's delivered them from captivity They've been captured by the, uh, they went down to to Pharaoh. They were in Egypt, of course. They became slaves and now they're out. Here's where they are. And they're at Mount Sinai and God is speaking to them. And he's talking about what is an acceptable worship to me? You're going to come into this land. I'm going to let you know. And it's in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. The next mention, this next mention, this idea of tithe. He says this, every tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is, notice what he says. This is really interesting. It is holy to the Lord. This is the first time we see this idea, holy to the Lord. What made it holy to the Lord? See, he reminded them before they took the land even. This this is before they're actually in the land. This is before the government is set up, before the priesthood is set up. This is way before that. This is in the beginning. He says the tithe was to remember the blessings received by the gift of God. The Jacob's free will vow had made it holy to the Lord, had been set apart. Jacob had set it apart and said, listen, Lord, because you're going to do this to me, I vow that my descendants, the gift will be 10% of whatever this produces. Whatever my wealth is, I will give it to you. Holy, a portion set apart. This whole chapter, by the way, 27, is talking about vows and how God values vows and how our word means something. That's why the New Testament says, hey, don't make a vow. Don't, don't swear on heaven and earth. Just let your yea be yea and your no be, nay be nay. Why? Well, right here we're finding out why. Because God holds people accountable to their vows. Many claim the Lord's tithe was for the Levites. But just so you know, right now, this was established before the priesthood even happened. The priesthood hadn't been developed yet. 10% of God's promised blessing of the land was dedicated to him. It was dedicated to be set apart to bring glory and honor to God, to remember that he was the one who brought the blessing. This was his command to give. He was saying, listen, I want you to understand something. This tithe is for me. It was vowed by Jacob and it is acceptable to me me, and I am going to hold you accountable for it. But then we got to go a little farther. Then we learn that giving is about a heart of worship. It's important to understand that giving should be acceptable to the Lord. It seems as though the tithe was an acceptable and reasonable bow. Giving uh, should be done freely. We see that again. Tithing is a giving to God what is holy and is not ours. Wow. 
What an interesting idea. We have a different view of tithe all of a sudden. We're putting it in perspective. The tithe was commanded. It was not necessarily a tax at this time. It was simply God's portion, an appreciation giving. Now listen, just before they enter the promised land, God has to let them know something. He's like, hey, I I just want to remind you about me. I want to remind you who I am. I am the source. I'm the source of everything you have. So not only do we have this conversation about tithe, this conversation about giving, we have this idea that's presented that they are reminded, who is the source of my income? Deuteronomy 8 and verse 17, before they're entering in, he says this, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. I want you to understand something. Beware, lest you say, my hand and my work has gotten me my wealth. This is a lie. This is not the truth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your, notice this, fathers, in its day. He says, listen, I want you to remember something that all that you get in this land, everything that you have is because of me. I'm the one who gives you the power to get wealth. God fulfilled his promise that he swore to Jacob. He was just getting ready to say, I'm giving you this land. The blessing that was promised is now present in the moment. And now Israel was told to fulfill this vow of their forefathers of Jacob that he had made to God. Give me what is due because I have blessed you. This is, this is great for us to understand. It's great for you and I to just put our minds around it. That God has given us our wealth. Tithing was this picture of a vow. It was a picture of setting aside a portion to bring uh, to, that was holy for the Lord. Something that was this idea that it was worthy and acceptable. It was free will. It was something we and they gave. Now, the next mention is the Levites, and this is where it starts to get interesting. The Levites then are part of this. God now receives what is holy to him. He says, listen, the tithe is mine. It is not yours. It was vowed by Jacob, and I'm going to receive it. It's acceptable. It's something you give freely to me because I earned, I deserve it. It's, it's mine. And he gives it to those now that he has set apart for his service. This is an interesting transition in history. Notice Numbers chapter 18 and verse 21. God says this, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance. Why? Because they did not receive any land. To return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. He gives the, the, the Levites his, what is, listen to me, what is his. He doesn't give to the Levites what is theirs. He gives to the Levites what is his. Notice this. He tells them that they're responsible for the treasury and the house of God. Jump up to Numbers chapter 18 and verse 8. He says this to Aaron. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, and behold, I have given you charge. I have made you in charge of the contributions made to who? Me. He didn't say, I give, I, I, I've commanded all the Israelites to give to you. No, no, no. I have commanded them to give to me, and I have put you in charge of it. All the consecrated things of the people of Israel, I have given them to you as a portion and to your sons and your perpetual, as your perpetual due. I'm going to give this to you. Don't miss this truth. 
The tithe was not the priest's. The tithe was God's, and God gave it to the priests for the work that was being done. You and I, when we give, we're not giving to the church. We're not giving to the church work. No, we're giving to God, and God has said, we're going to use this for church. We're going to use this for the body. We're going to use this to do the work of the kingdom. That's what we see here. Now, listen, there's some confusion because I have to admit later on in Deuteronomy 12, God adds a second tithe. And in Deuteronomy 14, 26, he adds a third tithe. So good night. Are we up to 30%? Anybody volunteering? <laughs> I don't see many jumping on that. Let's talk about this. You see, these tithes that were added after this are not part of the vow. They, they're very specific in reason. The second tithe was to support their festivals. God says, listen, not only are you going to give the tithe to me and I'm going to use it for the Levites, but now I'm going to give you, an, you're going to give another tithe and that's just going to be to celebrate me. We're just going to get together and celebrate. Okay. I like that idea. If everybody gave 10% of your income, we're just going to throw a party for a week. <laughs> yeah, some of you. Some of you with nothing, you're like, yeah! Some of you with something, No! <laughs> Notice the third tithe was given every three years. It was a special blessing to the Levites, sojourners, widows, and orphans. In other words, it was to the poor. It was to the poor of their day. So God set these other two tithes apart. But again, the bottom line is that tithing, this, these tithes were also about worshiping God, but they were meeting a different need. They weren't part of the original conversation. And that takes us to this last word. And we're going to talk about this last word because I think many of you are like, this is still, Pastor Ron, so Old Testament. We are so beyond that. All my grace people are like, yeah, we're so beyond that. But let's just, let's just look at the last mention. I love the first mention, but let's look at the last mention. Isn't it odd that tithing is a conversation, last book, Old Testament, third chapter, at the end, and he's getting ready to do some interesting things. He's going to reveal to us some very interesting things. So if you have your Bibles, jump to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. And many of you are like, I've heard this, Pastor Ron, a thousand times. Will I got, man, well, time out. Let's just, let's just observe some truth. Man, it's just convicting to my soul. Here we go. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. What does God start out and say? I, the Lord, do not change. Everybody needs to grasp that. I, the Lord, I don't change. We change. He doesn't change. What is acceptable and what is pleasing to God does not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. Why does he say why doesn't he say children of Israel? Why doesn't he say children of Abraham? Why doesn't he say children of Isaac? Why does he say children of Jacob? I believe it's this, because Jacob is the one who made the vow. Jacob is the one in which God says this is acceptable. Jacob is the one that said this is a fair deal. You give me this, I'll give you 10%. And so God's going to hold them accountable to it. It says this in verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. By the way, statute, statutes isn't a, is what is owed. The word statutes means what is owed. You've turned away from what is owed. Interesting. 
wasn't that they broke some law. No, they turned away from what is owed, and you have not kept it. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? How shall we return, Lord? How shall we give back to you the portion that you're owed? He says this, will a man rob God? Hmm. Returning to God was impossible if they were in a state of indebtedness. They had broken the vow. They were robbers. They had taken what was not theirs. It was God's. It was set apart. It was set apart. They were stealing. Listen to me. They were stealing his worship. They were saying, we don't need God with our finances. We don't need to be doing that kind of stuff. We're going to break this vow. We're going to do our own thing. That vow that Jacob made doesn't matter. And God says, oh, no, no. It absolutely matters. He goes on to say this, yet you are robbing me. And you said, how have we robbed you? And he says this, in your tithes and contributions. In your tithes and contributions. This, to me, is a fascinating statement. Because notice this, all the arguments that I hear out about there about taxing and priesthood and all these wonderful things, notice what God says, what God doesn't say. God did not say, you are, you are robbing the priests and the poor. Do you notice that? He, he does not go back and say, you're, you're robbing the priests and the poor. No, what he says is from the beginning, you are robbing me because the tithe is mine. And where I spend it is not up to you because the tithe is about blessings received. Very interesting. No, the tithe wasn't a tax for supporting the priests, although God gave it to them. The tithe wasn't a government welfare handout, although God used the tithe to feed the poor and take care of them. No, tithing was about their worship. Tithing was about this idea that we understand the marvelous blessings of who God is, and they had forgotten God. That's what this entire thing was about. Tithing has always been about God, by the way. And that's what I want you and I to understand as we look at what giving is. They had forgotten they had forgotten why they were to give. Unfortunately, we also forget why we give. We think that our giving is for the church. We think that our giving is for the poor, but the truth is this. Our giving is a gift to the almighty God for the blessings we have received. And the moment we forget about that, the moment we forget that it's about God and not about us, we start to do things like this. Well, I don't think that person is that needy. I don't think the church is wasting, spending their money like we spoke about in the first three parts of the series. You, you see how that your mind starts to rationalize and justify on this one simple thing? You aren't getting it. I don't get it sometimes. Our giving is to God and God alone. He is the one who deserves our blessings. Just like this, you need to know, just like God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, we might want to say this. One could say God curses or allows hardship to the robber and pours out blessings on the generous. That's what this book, this chapter is going to go on to say. Notice verse 9. Nobody likes this word because they misunderstand it. You are cursed with a curse. Oh, Pastor Ron, God doesn't curse people. You're missing the point. That's not what he's, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, I've come down and, I, you know, your, your, your life is ruined. What he's saying is this. There's no blessing in your life. I'm going to withhold. Listen, by the way, guys, if God withholds himself from you, that's not a good place to be. 
What that means to you is this, I'm my own God and I don't need your blessing. I'm gonna make it on my own. And God just says, fine, I'll just remove myself from the equation. Let's see how you do. And many of you have tried that and many of you are struggling with your children because by the way, this blessing is not a monetary gift. No, this blessing is so much more than that. It's God's protection on your life as we're gonna find out in just a minute. See, good things, have they been withheld from you? That's what he's saying. For you are robbing me, this whole nation. Man, he shares with them that their curse, though, can be removed. He says, listen, this whole nation is cursed. This whole nation is missing out on my best for you because you have held back what is mine and you have chosen not to do it. And I love you, but you've made a vow. And God, I have already accepted the vow and I've already received the vow and I already said it's an acceptable gift, but you're choosing to ignore it. Notice what he says in verse 10. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in whose house? My house. Bring it to me. He says something only God would say after this. He says, listen, I want you to bring this. I can, this is a good remedy. Do you, you, don't you love it when God gives you a good remedy? Like you mess up in life and the good remedy is this. God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. You want to know it? You're instantly forgiven. God, God does the same remedy here. The same remedy. He says, listen, you, you've been robbing me. Please stop. You're cursed with the curse. You're, you're missing my blessing. I'm not helping you. He says, remedy, just start giving. Really, Lord, that's all it takes? That, that's all it takes. It, it, it's, it's no more than that. Just like you are forgiven of your sins instantly, he's saying, listen, this situation can be taken care of instantly. Now notice what he says. After this, this blows your mind. And hereby, if you do this, if you just start giving, if you just start acting righteously, if you start counting or being accountable for this giving, this tithe. Hereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out and pour down from you blessings until there is no more need. He promises his protection and his favor. <laughs> wow. Just like forgiveness. God says, listen, I'm gonna forgive you. Go and sin no more. And I'm gonna bless you. And you can be free from your sin and you can be free. This is exactly the same principle. Not only that, but he promises the protection and favor. He doesn't just say, hey, you're gonna be right with me. He says, if you do this, I'm gonna do some things. I'm gonna protect you. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that you will not, so I will not destroy the fruits of your soil nor the vines in your field. They shall not fare, uh, fail, but they shall bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. Can I ask you a question? Is your home a delight to the community? Is your home a delight to your neighborhood? Are you seen as someone who is delightful? This is a picture of what God promises the generous. Your land, you'll be seen, you'll be known. I believe America once was this. And we were seen that way. And now we are getting to be seen a completely different way. But I want you to know as a Christian, as a church, we're also in the same situation. The church was seen as one thing and is now seen as another thing. Now, this is fascinating. 
Let's just do a quick review. It's fascinating to think this. Giving to God was a free will offering. It was an act of worship. It still is today. It was described as a tenth as a blessing was received with Abraham. It was promised in a vow as a vow for blessings promised to Jacob. It was made holy to the Lord to remember the one who grants wealth. It was dedicated to those who set up, were set apart for the ministry. It was made a test to reveal the glory and the power of God. And I love the way he ends the Old Testament. But you're saying in your heart, La, Pastor Ron, you're still in the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. So it's New Testament time. Everybody excited? We're in the fourth quarter. We're coming to an end. Everybody's like, that's great. But I still don't think that tithing thing is all about New Testament stuff. Well, that's okay. Let's just see what the Bible says. Let's answer some questions. Does the New Testament agree? Hmm. Does it agree? Are the principles that we just discussed the same principles found in the New Testament? Let's just see. Is worshiping God through giving an appropriate response to our king? Is giving to God an act of worship? Is it demonstrated? Do we see it? Well, it's great that you said that. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. From the very beginning, in the very beginning, here we go. Who are these people? Hmm, I think they're the kings, and they're going to go acknowledge who Jesus is. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down, and they did what? They worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think it's pretty clear throughout Scripture that an appropriate response to worshiping God is giving him something. Now, in the New Testament, we know we're giving him our whole lives, which just so you know, Annie's up that tithe a little bit farther. Our whole lives, we're to give our lives to him, every part of us. But it's clear here that giving of your money was a picture of worship. It had nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do with the church. It had nothing to do with, oh, by the way, um, Joseph, don't spend this money foolishly. No, no, he was given to him because of who he was. Hmm, should our giving be done freely? Does the New Testament push that? Hmm, no, we should give because the church said so and they're sending you a bill. Wouldn't that be nice if you just got a bill and the, no. No, if you ever get a bill from a church, burn that thing. Here we go, very interesting. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Giving has always been, by the way, free will. It was your will to give it. It may be God's. It may be you understanding that it is God's and you're acknowledging that it's God's, but it's always a choice. God does not beat it out of you. Now, he might take it from you when you rob it from him in other ways, where your car breaks down, you know, where everything happens in life. Their, their, their vegetables and their fruit didn't grow. He, he can get it another way. But the bottom line is this, it was supposed to be done freely. The New Testament teaches it from the beginning. Does Jesus acknowledge the legitimacy of tithing? That's another one. Now everybody hates this passage. Be like, that's still Old Testament. It was before Christ's resurrection. Well, let's just read and see what it says. Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you scribes. He's getting ready to go off on them. Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because guess what? 
the religious leader of the day was a tither. For you tithe on the mint and the dill and the cumin. What does that mean? You tithe on the smallest little things. I mean, you tithe when you get a gift card on your birthday. That's basically what he's saying. You tithe on everything. By the way, these guys didn't own land either. They were just business people. They were priests. So the tither, this idea of tithing was for everybody on everything. It was about wealth. So think about that. If you, these guys gave on everything. But notice what he says. But you have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice, and mercy, and faithfulness. Then he says this. These you ought to have done. You ought to have tithed without the neglecting of the others. Yes, in true fashion, as we have learned in this whole study as the Sermon on the Mount, God says, listen, he says, the law is this, but I want you to know your giving means so much more. It's up here. He's like, I'm going to up the ante. I want you to understand, don't just trust. Don't just give me your worship and your material things. I want your life. You have to be just. You have to show mercy. You have to be faithful to God. These things far outweigh giving. But listen, it doesn't absolve us from the fact that giving is an act of worship and that we should do so. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, there are so many more things you've listed. Why? Because giving can, can become so ritual. It becomes something like, I give my 10%, I'm good, so God's gonna bless me for the rest of my life. I can do nothing for him. And I want you to know that ain't happening. Any pastor who says you give this tithe but based on faith and a little cloth, and he's gonna, I'm letting you know, without goodness, grace, love, mercy, the weightier issues of the law, don't expect God to bless your life. He upped the ante when it comes to giving. He didn't remove the responsibility. Should we give a blessing for blessings received? Is faith required still? Does Jesus promise the same promise found in Malachi? This is the big question I have for you today because we're going to end with this idea. Does he promise the same promise he did in Malachi? Let's just find out. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Test me, give to me, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use will be the measure back to you. How about this one in 2 Corinthians? The point is this, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Listen, our curse of today is simply this. When we refuse to give, when we give a little, we just get a little back in blessings. God's like, are you really worshiping me? Are, do you really, are you really grateful for the grace that I've given you? Are, is that really your measurement? God goes back to Malachi's principles and says, oh man, I want you to know something, nothing. What did he say? I'm a God who does not change. The principle is still true. We give in faith. The greater our faith, the greater our blessing. Jesus challenges them and challenges us to be tested, test you. I want to test you. I will grant you more blessings than you could give to me. You will never outgive me. It's impossible to do. This is fascinating. So that is why people were going to do something crazy. I read about this and I thought, this is crazy. And then I thought, this is actually really good. I'm going to ask you something. Are you willing to take a 90-day challenge? Do you believe the word of God or do you not? That's really the ultimate question. Do you believe these are true or do you believe they're not? We're going to take a 90-day challenge. Now, listen, I know God. Listen to me. Don't, all you theologians, don't, don't stone me. 
I know that God's blessing is not limited to 90 days, okay? Just, just, I, we're gonna take that for granted, okay? But I believe this, I believe this truth is real. I want everyone to understand making a commitment to bring the full tithes into the storehouse and to test Christ is completely biblical. And that's why I'm saying this. Between now and December 31st, I would like everybody in this church as a member, active member, listen, if you're a visitor, don't listen to what I'm saying, plug your ears. If you're an active member, if you're in this church, if you're a part of this church, if you're part of another church, do it in their church, your church or wherever that may be. But I want to challenge you to a 90-day giving challenge between now and the end of the year. Now, listen, if you're a tither, you know that this works. I can tell you from my own experience that my life has been blessed, and I don't know how to explain it, and I'd like to say that God's hand is upon me, but I've been a tither my whole life, and God has blessed me, and when I withheld, I can tell you the blessing was withheld. I don't know what your story is, but that is my story. Now, some of you in the room are like, hey, listen, I've been a tither, and I'm struggling. I want then you to ask yourself the question, have you forgot the way to your matters of the world? Have you forgotten the way to your matters of the word of God? Have you missed out on what God is really trying to do? Don't give tithe as a justification for your evil. Don't do that. That's what was happening in Malachi. Listen, don't understand this. But some of you, some of you have been struggling. You've been Christians for a while. You've had excuses. We've covered all of them. We've talked about intellectual honesty. And I just want to give you a challenge. And this is what I want you to do. Give with a, what God has laid on your heart. I believe a tithe is an accurate and acceptable gift. I know I, just from history. I believe this that it's acceptable to Him. It's an act of worship. It's for blessings that you have received, and it's for blessings that you need to receive, that you want to receive. I think it's done with a thankful heart and reveals God's goodness. And I know this to be true. And this is what I know I know that God's word is true. See if I will not pour out a blessing. Whatever God is laying on your heart. And like I said, I believe a tithe is a faithful and acceptable gift and has been forever. Will you give back your tithes between now and December 31st? So I'm gonna do this. I'm so confident that God is gonna bless your life. And I don't mean, listen to me, I don't mean you give $10 and you get 1000 like we had a testimony the other day. I don't mean you're going to give a dollar and you're going to get a Lamborghini on the weekend. <laughs> what I mean is peace. What I mean is God's blessing upon you. Is God's blessing upon you. I'm so confident that God will do so that I will give all your money back if God does not bless you. Now you say that is just a gimmick. Nope. What it is, is a test of God. I believe God's test is true and is real. And so listen, if you're willing to sign up, if you're willing to go and actually say, you know what, I, I'm a tither or I'm not a tither, I haven't been a tither, I don't know about this, I'm telling you this, if you would give in faith, if it doesn't work, if, if God does not bless your life, at the end of December 31, you can ask for your money back. You want to know what I know? I know this, that God has blessed your life. You want to know what? God has already blessed your life. The problem is you're living in fear. Your problem is you're living in a state in which you think your money is yours. Your problem is you're living in this state of unsurety, and I don't know whether God is real or not. Is this true? Is this not? I'm here to tell you something. God's word is real. God's word is true. And so I'm asking you to consider taking this challenge.
Now, on the Sunday morning news that you have on the back, you can say, hey, I'm willing to take this challenge. If you're going to take the challenge and you want to you hit me up, you say, listen, I'm going to try that out. I'm going to see if God blesses me. Great. Put your name and number and information down, and we'll send you a link, and you can sign up, and you're all in. If you don't want to do that, you're like, I ain't doing that. That's ridiculous. Because I believe God's word is true, and I'm just going to start tithing. God bless you. I'm just here to remove any excuse for you to not believe God's word. I want you to know something that God's word is true. He loves you. He's done incredible things for you. And we as a culture, we as a people need to understand the history, the understanding of what giving is all about. And that's exactly why I wanted to share the sermon with you today. Put it in perspective. Understand the principles so that you do not miss out on what God has for you. But if you're here today and you're like, that is not only is that crazy talk, who's this Jesus character you're even talking about? Thank you for asking. I just want you to know something. I'm going to tell you the truth you probably never heard before. Listen, Jesus is real. God did create this earth. And yes, man did fall. Man sinned against God. And because of that, there is a, there is a gap between man and God. And God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die for your sin and for my sin. Because we are all sinners. Every one of us in this room, they're without exception. We are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And this is what he's done. He came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He paid the ultimate price with his life on a cross for you and for me. And three days later, he rose from the dead, victorious, proving to the world that he was God and we are not. And he asks you and I to do one thing, to put our faith and our trust in him and him alone. If you're here today and you've never done that, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead. Repent from your sins and turn to God and he will bless you with eternal life, a debt you can never repay. And he did it because he loves you. Will you give your life to Jesus today?